Hello everyone. Um, Abuna was saying that uh, sometimes we find ourselves doing things that we ask, we ask ourselves, why am I doing this? So this is one of the uh, thoughts I'm having at the moment, uh, particularly because the area of forgiving people who hurt us, particularly um, our parents, is an area that we have to approach with a huge degree of humility. Because uh, I re really appreciate that some of us have massive hurts from parents or parental figures and it kind of varies so we don't have the same experience and as Abuna said although uh, a lot of us feel that we have amazing parents no one is perfect and when we reflect back we realize what we've inherited also from the way we were brought up so I just wanted to share with you that we are approaching an area as always that is quite sensitive and we have to approach it with um, a huge degree of uh, humility. Abuna said to me that I should take about 35 to 40 minutes. Of course, this is um, not enough for the topic. So forgive me when we have to skim through things. And I'm more than happy to ignore the slides and follow the thread of thoughts that we might, we might have, because that's more important, I suppose. And I won't go um, in much detail about forgiveness itself because I know that this was covered through Father John in talk one and two. Uh, just to remind you of a few verses here, how when Job uh, prayed for his friends, the Lord restored um, all his losses. Also remind you that forgiveness is linked to God forgiving us. And again, I won't dwell much on that. And another verse that you need to, oh, and we need to remember as well that we need to be the sons of the Most High, and part of that is forgiving, forgiving others. So forgiveness is not an option, an option really. Um, I will uh, skim quickly through this, and as I know, we've covered some of the foundations of forgiveness. So why we forgive? I know this was covered already, and I know you agree with me that forgiveness sets me free gives me peace, allows me to grow in the image of God, love himself. Forgiveness allows me to have intimate relationship with God. Sometimes we, we feel that the lack of forgiveness is in the way of me and God having that close relationship. And also allows me to reflect on how much I am trusting God with the mess that I might have inherited. Moving away from my ego and breaking the cycle of hurt. Um, again, this is what you've covered before, how forgiveness is based on the Lord's forgiveness himself. So do you guys remember Matthew chapter 18? It's a chapter that Abuna shared with you, the story of the slave or servant who was forgiven a massive amount of, of debt by his master. And he went out and found another servant who owed him a tiny amount of money, grabbed him by the neck and told him, you must pay your debt. And um, that was in response to one of the disciples asking the Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother? Do you remember that parable? This is really the essence of forgiveness. If we're not in tuned to the forgiveness that God has given us on a daily basis, it becomes uh, unusual and unnatural to forgive others. So the servant didn't forgive his fellow servant, although his debt has already been wiped out. 
but he still carried the mentality that I need to get my money back. He hasn't got rid of that. Whether he hasn't believed that his debt was forgiven or not, but at least he acted as if he is still indebted to his master. I suppose the message I have is when we are enjoying God's forgiveness on a regular basis, that empowers us to forgive others and as Abuna taught us, to let go. So when we feel that we, God has let go and is letting go every day of our sins, our iniquities, our um, foolish act, actions, when we are living that letting go from God, it becomes really easy, simpler for us to let go of other people's hurts. So these are like the basics of why we forgive. Now let's ask you questions and I will ask you a number of questions. First one, can you give me examples of the mistakes or sins that our parents might have done towards us? Can you give me some examples? Today is about forgiving my parents or parental figures. Uh, or people who played the role of a parent in my life. Can you give me just quick examples of some of the hurts or mistakes that they might have committed willingly or unwillingly towards us? They weren't affectionate enough. They weren't emotional or affectionate enough. They weren't available emotionally at times. Sometimes they, they weren't available. So they were there physically, but emotionally unavailable. What else? Give me more examples. They were very strict, very harsh, and very um, low kind of, uh, uh, not just law-abiding, but also some parents perceive the role as to uh, keep telling us what's right and what's wrong, full stop, and there's no relationship as such. Yeah, so very, very harsh, very strict. The problem with that is not only that I need to forgive them, but also I need to deal with my conscience that has been shaped in a way and uh, similar to my dad's or my mum's style of dealing with me. Yeah. Okay, harsh, not available emotionally. Absolutely, that's a big one. Get rejection. Uh, some kids uh, grow up feeling rejected by their parents, unwanted, and lots of reasons for that. Uh, we won't be able to cover them today, and uh, there are lots of reasons why our parents uh, made us feel rejected. But uh, but that's a big one. Yeah, uh, because we carry that rejection as we grow up as well. Um, what else? Rejection, yeah? Aggression, manipulation. Yeah, direct aggression. So sometimes direct aggression is, is there and sometimes manipulation. Um, using the guilt trip, guilt tripping you. Um, so you don't love your mom, you don't love your dad. So making you feel always guilty and using that guilt to make you do what they want you to do. Bear in mind that some of them and don't know any other tool of getting the kids to do things. This is what they learned from their parents and this is what their parents learned from their parents and this is what they're applying. The only way to get my kids to do what I want is aggression or emotional manipulation or whatever, or threatening. So all that has caused some degree of hurt in us. What else? Any, give me one or two more and we move on. Abandonment, Abandonment. yeah. So that some, some kids grow up feeling not only rejected but abandoned. By, by the parents uh, and some parents believe that my job is that I brought my kids from the land of Egypt, a poor country, to Canada and this is all my role now. I, I do, I'm not going to do more. I'm just going to drop them at the church door. They get engaged in activities, Sunday school, whatever and that's my role. That's where my role stops. So the kids grow up feeling abandoned by their uh, parents. One last one. Uh, 
playing, yeah, comparing and playing favorites and and a way of encouraging kids at times is that that I I love your brother more than you or I love your sister more than you or look at her, look at what she's doing, look at your cousin and and yourself as well, you feel that you're uh, disadvantaged and that you have to strive, you have to work really hard to please and get their favor which you think now should be given freely but you feel as a child that you're working really hard to get to get that there was one one last one here um, emotionally unavailable absolutely yes so they are uh, available physically but emotionally not uh, not available to you so when you need them when you're anxious when you're distressed and you needed their availability emotionally they weren't there for you and of course that leads to you growing up seeking other ways of um, calming yourself down dealing with anxiety dealing with your distress Okay, so these are mistakes of the parents. I just need to remind you of one thing. That is not just the, the hurt from the parent that is causing a problem when I grow up. There are so many other factors. Some kids take the hurt different from others. And the availability of other people in the family makes a difference. So a kid who is brought up in a family where there's a loving uncle, a loving grandmom, is different from somebody who, who is not. And not all kids receive the same harshness the same way. Some are more affected than others. So again, this is a big area of research as to why some kids receive uh, parents' treatment differently, but we're not going to go there. But at least I want you to remember that it's not just how I was treated. There are so many other factors. Are you still with me? Yeah. Okay. I have a question. Of course. All the examples that you have said were... Um, Parents acting badly or in a certain way negatively, we can call it negative. But sometimes parents also act in a nice way, like they can be very, uh, you can be their friends uh, since you are very young. However, this takes away from you as a child a lot of things. Like sometimes they do positive things in, in, in not the right time. Mm-hmm. When you are hurt, when you are older, when like, like being a friend, like parent, um, uh, being befriending your kids and not disciplining them. Yeah, yeah, that's so, a, that. Although it looks very nice and Spoiling, letting them do whatever they want. So, so yeah. Absolutely. I have, and I can, as an adult, understand that. So I start blaming them and say, they hurt me doing this. So the hurt is not only negative. Oh, absolutely. I've seen that a lot. Sorry, I don't know your name. Hanan. Hanan, I've seen that a lot with men in particular uh, who grow up very spoiled and they are not responsible. They don't carry that sense of responsibility and manhood. They've never learned that. Everything was given to them and uh, they haven't learned to work. Uh, hard to make decisions, to be responsible for the decisions, for their words. So you're right. It's not just it's negative stuff. Hurt. Of course. It hurts, it hurts particularly when you grow up and you realize yeah. this is all because um, I was treated that way. But remember, it's not all because of that. We said it's multi-factors. As a question. No. no. Okay, please do. I, I Absolutely. Also, even if you lose a parent, you can be angry with them, although that wasn't necessarily in their control, but like 
Because an injury, because a wound. Yeah, so two things you mentioned. One, they're financial decisions, and it's, it's a big one, particularly as a child, you, when you grow up and you think, my mom and dad did that financially for whatever reason, but it hurt me in the end and it made me lose my friends or lose my strength or whatever. And uh, the other one is losing, losing a parent, although it's not a mistake as such, um, but, uh, but sometimes it, but it will affect us. Um, one of my friends, her dad was a workaholic, so he used to work 12 hours a day, seven uh, days a week, and then he passed away. So there was a lot of anger um, that he was working so hard. Yes, to provide, yes, to give them a lovely, uh, luxurious style of life, but there was a lot of anger and bitterness that, uh, that they lost him. She, she thought she, they lost him because of that. Another question for you. Still awake? Okay. My next question is, what's unique about parents, hurts, or mistakes? So, Father John spoke to us about um, forgiveness in general. So, if we, when we are both adults, and you insult me, and I forgive you, how is that different from a parent or a parental figure hurting us or uh, committing a mistake towards us? What, what, what is unique about our parents? Yeah, so one thing, absolutely. One thing is that parent is so close. So now if Marina, you, you hurt me, I can take a step back really because we are friends. So I can stick, I take a step back, it's fine. But when with parents, when they're so close, the closeness makes it quite tricky to forgive. What else? What else is unique about parents? One of you? Yeah, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. We give them a lot of significance. So if the person who is hurting me has low significance in my mind, probably I'm not bothered. So you're driving and a taxi driver uh, crosses over you and, and he's driving like mad and he insults you. you. That doesn't have a lot of weight because to you, he's not close. He's not, the significance of his presence in your life is much lower than a parent. So of course the hurt carries more weight because they are close and they are uh, significant to us. What else? That's a beautiful point. Yeah, so two, two very important points. One, they're irreplaceable, so you can't replace them. If a friend, you can replace your friend, but you can't replace your parents. And also, we attach our parents to the decision they made at some point to have us. And uh, of course, when we look at the bigger picture, we realize the presence of God in that decision. But at some point, as children and growing up in adolescence, we link our parents to the decision to have us. So anything they act, uh, um, or anything they do, we link that to wanting us to be or exist. I think the way uh, our parents treat us is the way we are shaped forever. Like I will be either a liar or I will be successful, I will be angry or I will be 
Okay. So the long-lasting effect, yeah. So I I uh, I agree with you on the first bit that what makes the parents' mistakes unique is that the, the effect they have on us is a bit long-lasting. Yeah, because we were shaped, we're being shaped as children. Dina. I think uh, sometimes it impacts or influences your relationship with God, especially if there is hurt from a father figure. Yes. And that Absolutely. So one of the yeah. Absolutely, it distorts that perception of a carer, of a father figure, of a responsible God, because you associate that with God, and you start thinking, God must be the same way. He must be acting the same. He must be caring the same. If Dad was so harsh that he's not even accepting ninety uh, percent, he always asks for the hundred percent, and if I'm not hundred percent, I am a failure then God must be thinking the same. Yeah, so we link that to God as well. And we link that to the way we see ourselves. So remember that we, even if we don't have kids, we still deal with ourselves as kind of parents in a way. So we parent ourselves. And sometimes we copy what the parents did to us in the same way we deal with ourselves. So if they always saw us as failures, we find out that we look at ourselves and think always low of ourselves, that we are bad until proven otherwise. A lot of us carry this thinking that I am bad until proven otherwise. So I always need to prove myself. Also, we learn how to connect to other people through our connection yeah, with our parents. Yeah, absolutely. We learn how to connect with other people through our parents. So if that connection is disturbed or non-existent, then we start seeing that our relationship with friends is taking a different shape and that we can't connect with friends, we're a bit detached from friends, we can't form long-lasting relationship with friends or, um, or fiancés because we never learned to trust people, we never learned to be trusted and loved as well. So yes, it shapes that. So that's unique about appearance. Yeah, what else? Security. Abs oh, that's a big one, that's a very important one. Yeah, security, we need to talk about that because one of the key things that is unique to our parents' hurts is feeling safe, it's feeling secure. And when we, as children or growing up, we realize that our security and safety is violated by somebody who should be protecting our security and, and safety, it shakes us a bit. It shakes our sense of safety and sense of security. That's a big one. We'll talk about that in a minute. So I'm suggesting that we stop here on that question so we can move on. I'm just conscious of the time. So what I had in mind is, yes, we are still, we were emotionally attached to them. Uh, it leaves a long-lasting impact. Also, I was helpless as a child. So now if you hurt me, I can call the police for you. But as a child, I was helpless. So that makes the, uh, the mistake a bit big. And they're older than me. So I, I find it hard to confront them or debate with them or negotiate with them. Some of them died. So that leaves a big gap. Because I wanted to have that conversation with my dad about what happened in the past, but he's gone. Uh, sometimes they invade our boundaries. And one of the tricky bits about our parents' hurts is I have a commandment to honor my father and mother. Where does that sit with me feeling that I am really, really hurt the way they acted to me? Um, 
and uh, some of us continue to have responsibility towards them so I still have to take them to the doctors I have to look, look after them how can I forgive them when I still have to care for them so that's another dilemma uh, I'm just gonna skim through some of them are still very rigid which makes my forgiveness really hard so I decide at home with my priest I'm going to forgive my mom for what she's done to me and when I meet her she not only reminds me of what she's done she insists that she was right so I go back to Abuna. Abuna, let me confess again. The bitterness has come up. The bitterness is back. I want to forgive her. I know what she done was wrong, but I let go. I'm letting go. The following morning you meet her, she has to remind you, even if she was in coma. The first thing she would do when she wakes up is to remind you of how naughty you were, how bad you were as a child. I have examples, and I'm not joking, I have examples of parents who before they die, they make sure they remind their kids that all of this was because of you and then they die so you can imagine the amount of of hurt and I, I'll just finish with one last important bit about how uh, how um, significant the hurts from parents can be before we move on to what to do what do I do because we need to finish on a positive note what do I do is something called dichotomy forget about the word when we were children and we are subject to some hurt from a parent or a parental figure, we tend to think in a polarized way, i.e. we tend to think either they are bad or I am bad. And which one is easier for a child to believe? That the parent is bad or that I am bad? That I am bad. So one of the problems when, it, when we're talking about parents' hurts is that it makes me believe so much that I'm bad and not just that it gives me that sort of sense that I always have to think in a polarized way either the person is bad or I'm bad so I start to have a relationship and I met a, a lovely girl in the church and we start to have a relationship the slightest misunderstanding my mind is thinking either she is bad or I'm bad I start to have a relationship with God the first problem that encounters that I encounter in my life I start to think either he is bad or I'm bad. So that sort of way of thinking, um, I, I inherited from the way I was treated as a child. Does that make sense? Happy to move on? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of stigma as well that you meet a new uh, a boy or a new girl and you start to introduce her to your parents and they feel, oh, this relationship is too much. What's going on? Who is, who is doing what here? So it can, of course, shape that relationship and cause some misunderstandings. All right. Happy to move on? Okay. So what, what have we talked about today? We talked about the forgiveness the foundations that you've covered in the past and God forgiving me so that I can forgive others as well and we talked about what's unique about parents hurts one quick slide before we talk about what what we need to do which are some myths that I've heard and I'm sure you've heard as well about parents mistakes one what is the point the damage has happened already why are you talking to us about forgiveness why does it matter the damage has happened Had I had a better childhood, 
I would have been caring, a servant, loving God, stable in my relationships, a great husband, a great wife, had I just had a better childhood. What do you think of that? Common? Very common. Yeah. Do we have evidence for that? No. No. There's no evidence whatsoever from our life, from the people that we meet, that people who came from a stable, lovely, well-established background are the leaders of the church, the leaders in their families. We don't have any evidence in our life to support that. Not even from the history of, of the church. Um, I would have agreed with you had St. Moses the Strong uh, come from a very well-established and loving family. I would have agreed with you if St. Peter and St. John and St. Andrew came from a highly educated, well-supported families. I, but this is not really uh, the case. But we think this way all the time. I'll tell you a, a quick story. Um, one of the uh, people I, I talked to, she has been harshly abused by her parents, but she is really, really close to God, and she is really lovely. Lots of girls really love to speak with her in the church. And she is, of course, talking to me about how had they had a better childhood, I would have been X, Y, Z. Where was God when this happened to me? If he was caring, I would have been in a better position today, all that kind of stuff. And then I asked her, I said, okay, tell me about your friends who came from a stable family. Tell me about your circle of friends. She said to me, oh, please don't open that topic. Because ex-friend who we were brought up together, she is my best mate, she is married, she is hating her life. Okay, next one. And that friend, I know her very closely from the church, and she is talking to me about divorce, she is unhappy, she is, she is away from God, blah, blah. But these are the people that you just told me that you wished you were like them and that you wished your upbringing was similar. So there's no evidence to support that if my parents were perfect, amazing, I would have turned out to be um, a closer person to God, a more perfect, well-rounded person who is able to care for others and be uh, a lovely servant or husband or wife. I'm not belittling the hurt, but I'm saying we have to be careful about what we believe. You can never undo the past. Common myth? Yeah. What's happened? It's happened. And I am paying the price of their sins. And I think the last one is that I am the product of my past. So why am I bringing this up? Because this is really important. Because if I am trying to forgive them and I'm carrying all this bitterness that what you've done to me has caused me one, two, three, four, five, six. So I can't forgive you. I can't let go of you. I must take you to court and charge you. And this is the lack of forgiveness. I must charge you. You are indebted to me. Mom, no matter what you do, no matter how many sorries you say to me, I can't forgive you because I am paying the price of your choices. I'm paying the price of your sins. Agree with me? Moving on. So what do we do? Oh, there's another one. The way forward, as the church teaches us, is number one, to start thinking in synergy, that we don't work on ourselves. It's not something I'm going to ask you to do, and it's not something I'm going to just simply ask God to resolve uh, on his own. It's working together. So any healing is about working together with God. So we have to, to, to agree with that, that we have to work together with God, with his grace. Happy with that? You're not happy with that. Tell me. 
No? Okay. All right, you're teasing your mom. All right. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. I'll let you. I'll let you handle that afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very dangerous, very dangerous road for me to go in. So let's move on. How how am I going to deal with that hurt? So I'm going. I, I thought of two words to think about together. One is revelation, and second is engagement. And in uh, I think if we and I one of you and I'm one of you go through the revelation and engagement, we will see the transformation. So let's start with revelation, and then see what engagement is, and then we should see the transformation in our lives. I've kept it um, uh, pretty simple. There are loads of things that we can say about this. We can spend a conference on this. So we're not going to cover everything. we just focus on a couple of things. Are you with me? Let's move on. I need to allow God to, to reveal the truth to me. The first step, I need to, to be able to forgive them, to be able to let go. I need to allow the Lord to reveal the truth to me. Have you ever spoken to somebody, a friend or whatever, and you feel that they're not listening to what you're saying? Have you had that before? You keep talking, 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 and they're not registering anything. You keep telling them what your thoughts are, and they are on a different planet. Have you had that before? And we do that a lot with the Lord. Lord, I've come to you and I want you to teach me how to forgive my parents. But I'm not listening. I'm not accepting any new pieces of information. I've come to you with my convictions that it's done, it's in the past, nothing will change. I am doomed. I'm paying the price that the parents uh, decided for and nothing is going to change. But you better tell me something new. But I am actually closing all my senses. So first step, I need God to reveal to me the truth. And my role in this is to allow him to give me something different. Allow him to question my beliefs. Allow him to go deep into my thinking and question my thoughts and my myths. Does that make sense? What kind of truth? One, I would like God to, sorry, I would like God to reveal the truth to me about my value. Because if I don't believe that I'm of a great value, what, yeah, what is the point of forgiving? Yeah. What is the point of letting go if I believe that my value is very low? Do you get the point? If I believe that my value is very low and unrepairable, I can't let go. I can't let go of their mistakes because I feel the damage has been done. What car is this? So the, the picture was meant to be better. It's a Lamborghini. So if you give me this Lamborghini in this state, I will be thinking the value of this is nothing. We just need to scrap the car. It's nothing. But if you give this to a proper mechanic or actually a better person would be the manufacturer, they will say to me, oh, you're foolish. This is a Lamborghini. There's nothing wrong with the engine. We can fix all that, but it's a masterpiece. So the core value hasn't changed because of the damage. And this is something I need God to reveal to me. To reveal to me through his words, through the sermons, through my interaction with godly people in the church, that my core value is something different from what happened to me. And that my core value is separate. And that my core value is how he made me. So if you go to the manufacturer of the Lamborghini and tell him this is worth nothing, you have a laugh. So, no, you, you, don't, you don't understand anything. But I need to hear that from the Creator Himself to me. 
So I can trust that. Does that make sense? I need to allow God to reveal to me the truth about his ability and his perspective. So John, John, one of my neighbors in Scotland, as you might have figured out where the accent is from, uh, we, one day we had a flooding. So the houses were flood, lots of um, rain, basically. And then the status of his house was similar to this. So I saw him in the morning and I thought he was going to be grumpy, he was going to be depressed, he was going to be sad and shocked and having an awful day. And I went up and said, hi John, hey, hi. And I was like, well, I'm sorry about what happened. And he goes like, no, actually, I have a plan. I said, oh, okay. And he went like, you know, I'm, I'm a roofer, don't you? I said, no, I didn't realize you're a roofer because I understand nothing about roofs. To me, this is a catastrophe. He said, oh, no, no. I have a plan already. Actually, I'm glad it happened because I'm going to change this, this and that. I'm going to put more wood into it. I'm going to make it even 10 times stronger and more beautiful than this. Leave it with me. It's a week of work. I'm, getting, I'm going to get it more beautiful and stronger than this. I was standing, standing in awe because my perspective on the damage was very different from his perspective of the damage. Do you get the point? Are you following? So 10 days later, sorry, I didn't have a photo of his beautiful house. He made it completely new, much stronger, way stronger and more beautiful. Can I be cheeky with you guys and ask you a question? What do you think the house should say to the rain? Come. Hmm? Come. <laughs> what, what do you think the house should say to the rain that came already? Thank you. I know it's hard, I know it's tough, I'm not underestimating the hurt or the, or the trauma or the damage. But, but a week later, no, hang on a second, I've become much more beautiful and the area that I was attacked in became an area of beauty and strength. So my perspective is very different when I let go and allowed God to reveal to me his ability and his perspective. Sure. Yeah, so of course. How do you deal with a situation where apparently it's something that kind of developed into a complex? So what do you mean by a complex? So you're saying a parent did something that developed into a complex? Yes, yeah. like fear mm -hmm. of something and you're living with it until now. Yeah, so you've, you've grown up and you started to realize that the fear that you have has somehow resulted, maybe not entirely, but somehow resulted from parents' attitude or parents' mistakes incident. or a specific incident. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we have to be clear because if we are talking about something that has become a pathology, i.e. I need some help, professional help for it, um, that's slightly beyond the scope of today because sometimes I need to go for someone. But spiritually speaking, yeah. if I have developed that fear inside me and I'm not talking about something that is needing medication here, one way through, you're talking about this example, yes. is actually to allow God to show me how he can change that fear in me into being cautious, yes, but not fearful. Let me give you an example. A child going to school, let's not use parents, it's easier if we think about someone else. A child going to school, being bullied and attacked by a group of people. Growing up, he would fear people a lot because all what he knows is people are dangerous 
The world is dangerous. So it's full of fear. When we allow God to go into our innermost areas, to examine these beliefs and examine these thoughts, and allow him to tell us that things that were hurt in us are not beyond remedy and are not beyond his capability, we will experience something slightly different. Do you remember when we talked about security and safety? As a child, this incident made me feel completely unsecure, unsafe. But it's actually a calling for me to realize that what should give me the security and safety was not that I had a stronger brother who I should phone up to come and attack these people. Not that I live in a safe country where I can call the police and come and take all these thugs to prison. No, God is calling me through this incident to develop a sense that my security needed to be rooted and founded upon you. And in your hand, your perfectly working hands, you can change the fear into relying on you as a person. Let me put it in simpler words. As a child, when I'm attacked or whatever, incidents like this shake my beliefs about my safety. But whether I've come from that incident or another incident, I'm called to have my security rooted upon God. So people who come from a background like you describe tend to be thriving for security and not finding it. And God is saying, well, actually this incident, if you give it to me, if you give me that mess, I will turn it upside down to make you so rooted on me and so believing that I am the, se- the source of your security by, by this weakness. So going back to the house example, my security bit has been hit. And God says, all right, I will now make it new, but I'll put myself as the root of your security. So then you are unshakable. Let me flip it to another side. Kids who were never exposed to any of this, they will also, if they want to get closer to God, they will get to a point where God will say to them, if you want to move closer with me, I need to teach you that lesson, that I am the sense of your security. I'm the source of it. Maybe with, I don't know your name. Maybe with Nermeen, she learned that through an incident that happened to her as a child. But with you, I'm going to figure something out to teach you that important lesson. If you want to follow me, I need to be your security and your safety. Not your money, not your body, not your physical power, not your colleagues, not your friends. I need to be him. That gives you the sense of security. If you were following today in the uh, book of Acts, in the readings, the uh, St. Peter and all the disciples were preaching and they were taken to prison, they were whipped, they were tortured, they were threatened and their security and sense of safety has been shaken? What if it was founded upon, I have friends in the area, I'm a fisherman, I have so many friends who can just come up and just damage your whatever ship if you threaten me. If their security was, sha- was founded upon these things, the slightest torture, the slightest threat would have shaken them. But God works with us to achieve our dreams in Him. And one of the things that we need to establish is Him being the source of our safety. Does that make sense?
doing the damage again. So you have to go back, fix it again, and then you go back to her. She's doing it again. So like it's a, a cycle that never ends. I know. I know. I, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. And I think there's a difference uh, that uh, Abuna John spoke about in, in his first talk. Uh, difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Forgiveness needs you to make that decision or take that decision. Uh, reconciliation is a two-way act. And I, I'm really, really sorry that this is slightly not some, something that I don't have enough time to cover, which is keeping clarity about my boundaries and clarity about the relationship. And also that line between I'm forgiving you, but it doesn't mean we have to be best friends. So I need to keep that clarity. Um, sorry that I, because uh, if, if we elaborate on that, it will we can chat afterwards. But I fully agree with you that there is that line between um, closeness and forgiveness. They're not the same. I will have to move on. I'm sorry. Um, I need God to reveal me. I need to allow myself uh, to allow God to reveal to me uh, my purpose and journey. Because if I I'm still thinking that the hurts and damages that happened to me, if I call them damages, were away from the plan, part completely threw me out of the journey, then what's the point? But I will ask God, Lord, please reveal to me and show me how the, all the bumps and things that happened to my life haven't shaken your ability to get me to the finish line. It hasn't, because sometimes it shakes us. I think I'm beyond repair. I think God has already given up saying to me, what happened to you is so much, I can't touch you. But no, I need you, Lord, to show me that you're still there and you're still in control and you're still able to get me from the start to finish. And all what's happening in between is not going to throw me out of the, the journey or the map. Is that making sense? Okay. I'm going to keep going. Um, we can skim through this. I, sorry again, it's a poor quality um, f a picture of, of Joseph. And um, when we look at the life of Joseph now, uh, who of you felt so influenced by the life of any of Joseph's brothers? So put up your hand if you felt really influenced in your life or some others were influenced strongly in their lives by the life of one of Joseph's brothers who threw him in the well. What's the point I'm making? So this man looking now at his life, now that we look at his life, we think, you know what? It was well worth it. It was well worth being betrayed by his brothers. It was well worth it that he was sold to the Egyptians like a slave. It was well worth it that he was um, convicted of something he didn't do. It was worth it, Joseph. But of course, at the time, it was harder than this. The point I'm making, Lord, I want you to reveal to me the bigger picture. I want you to reveal to me the reality of time. Because now that I see the bigger picture and the time, I'm thinking, Joseph, come on, I'm glad you kept going. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had all the blessings. But in the, when we are in it, we don't see the bigger picture. So one, one important thing from the revelation point of view is to ask the Lord to reveal to me the bigger picture, including the eternity, including my eternal life. So when I look at the bigger picture, including my eternity, then I understand that things that are happening should be seen at the right size. 
Okay? We're going to move on because I'm conscious that I've crossed my line. I wanna, I, how many minutes do I have left? None. <laughs> Five. Okay, I'll, I'll do this one slide and then go to the um, um, engagement slide and then we finish. Is that okay? So that slide is important because the world that we live in magnifies the size of pain. And that makes everyone driven by pain avoidance. So the culture that we live in teaches us that you do every possible thing to avoid pain and avoiding pain should be your goal. But to be honest, if avoiding pain was our goal, we wouldn't have had athletics, basketballers, marathon runners, those people who decided I'm going to park the pain a little bit, it hurts, but I need to train and train and train and train because I want to get there. These are the people who put the goal before the pain avoidance. Does that make sense? So we have to be very aware that sometimes the culture we live in is leading us to think, I want to avoid pain at any cost, this is my goal. Now it's nice to avoid pain, but it shouldn't be my goal. So yes, it hurts, yes it was hurting, but my goal is not to avoid any pain. Okay, I'm going to skip this and remind you that my wounds in Christ will have a different outcome, will have a different meaning in him. Because had he lived a luxurious life with no betrayal, no hurts, then I would have had an argument. But the, the Bible is very clear when Isaiah said, by his wounds we are healed. So he was wounded to give my wounds a different meaning and a different outcome. Okay, and now we come to the engagement. So first step, I need to allow God to reveal to me the truth. Second step, I need to engage with the truth. I need to engage with it. I have a role to play. What do I mean by engagement? St. James makes it very, very clear. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like somebody who went up, looked himself in the mirror and totally forgot everything. So let us not be forgetful hearer, but doers of the work. So Lord, I want you to reveal the truth to me, but I want to be a doer. I want to live the truth. And this is very interesting. Why? Because I want to bring the truth that I learned from the revelation into my life. And this is something that we don't often do, which is revisiting my life through the light. So now, Lord, you reveal to me the truth about my value and the truth about my calling and the truth about my purpose. Oh, hang on a second. I need to take all this revelation and go and revisit my life and revisit my past through the light, through the revelation that you've given me. Let's go for an example. Okay, uh, let me actually give you an example. I think I've put one here. Sorry, here's one. I am going to write a new narrative to my life. I'm going to write a new narrative to my life story in view of what I learned in my revelation. That's my engagement with the truth. Guys, I want you to wake up. A lot of the time, God gives us the truth and we take it and look at it and we say, beautiful, it's nice, it's lovely, it's great, thank you so much. And we put it on the side. We don't take it, the same truth about my value or my purpose, the ones that we went through and much more, we don't take that truth and go back and write a different story to our lives. 
I met a guy, um, it was not within the Christian uh, work, I met a guy once who had an illness and the illness crippled him completely. So from being somebody who was doing his PhD, studying very hard, having a family, to somebody who suddenly sat on, in a wheelchair doing nothing and unable to continue with his work, thinking all the negative thoughts. And I remember that we were talking and I said to him, okay, so what you're saying to me, that your life was going chapter one, two, three, four, and you felt something stopped the chapters. And now it's your time to write chapter five, six, and seven. He took the words and thought, I can write different chapters? And this is what God is calling us to do, to engage with the truth. So guys, we take the truth, and we write a new narrative to my life. Here is a simple example. Lord, we always do this in a state of prayer, okay? Lord, I lived in fear. I lived in fear believing so, so, and so, and so about myself and about others. And this is probably because of what happened to me as a child. But now, through your revelation, I believe something different. And because of that, I trust that you can do X, Y, Z. What am I doing here? I'm writing my narrative from a different perspective. As a child, the narrative I had was, my parents did this to me, so I am doomed. I am always going to be bad in my relationship. I'm going to be uh, struggling for the rest of my life. But God is revealing the truth to me so that I write a different story. The same chapters, but from a different perspective, now that I know the truth. Is it making sense? Have I lost anybody yet? I know I've taken much longer than I was allowed to. So that's one way of doing it. There's another way, which is addressing the parent. Sorry. Ah, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone tried to do that before. Have you tried to write a letter to your parent? Not that you should give it to them. But for you but to address them and explain what your views are in the light, in a state of prayer. That's another way that, um, that we can use at times. Dad, you did so and so to me when I was 10, 15, whatever. And that hurt me so much. And I developed so and so and so because of it. But now, I'm no longer going to repeat the same and dwell on it and think that this is the end of it. Because I really trust that the Lord and His grace are able to do so and so and so to me. And I learned so and so and so about my value, about God's power and about how He can transform my life. About myself and my reality. So I will act differently now based on my trust of God or on, uh, in, in God. Do you see the point? So writing that letter allows me to bring the truth that I heard and learned into my story, my life story, my narrative, and changes the bits that I believed about myself. Is that making sense? One last thing. There's a lot to say actually, of course, about this. One last thing I wanted to remind you, that it is my role in engagement to spread the truth across all the domains of my life. So, Abuna, lovely talk about forgiveness. On the way home, Netflix out, beautiful movie about revenge, beautiful movie about anger, beautiful movie about bitterness and getting the back of your enemies, 
So sometimes I really need to be clear about everything in me and bring the truth into it. One of it is my body. You will notice that if you are really, really hurt by some, somebody, that even closeness, even seeing them, will trigger you off. So I need to speak to my body, but speak the truth to my body. My body, I'm telling you, there's no danger anymore. I am safe because the Lord is here. My body, I know you are angry. I know you get rattled off. I know. But I'm telling you that the Lord is here and I trust him. So speak. what happens here? I'm telling my body, stop leading me wrongly. Stop giving me wrong information. I appreciate you. I respect you. But I get my truth from the Lord. And I need to speak the truth to you. I need to do the same with my imagination. Sometimes I imagine me getting somebody and just, or imagine Michael because he hurt me, imagine him having a trouble at his work. I need to bring the truth into my imagination, even into my sleep. So you sleep and you have a bad dream, you bring the truth into your dreams. And when you wake up, you tell the Lord, well, in your prayer, I dreamt of A, B, C. This is not what I believe. This is not what I believe. You bring the truth into your spare time, into your Snapchat, into your Facebook, into the movies that you watch. Because believe me, if you are believing one thing when you are in prayer, and the rest of your life is believing into another thing, what happens if you believe in two opposing things? You get in nowhere. You need to let go of one and totally follow the truth. Does that make sense? I know this is uh, skimming through things rather than... um, going in depth. So I just wanted to, to touch on one or two dilemmas. Let's forget that. One dilemma I just wanted to remember that there is a function of unforgiveness. And sometimes I don't want to let go because not letting go plays a function in my life. Keeps me a victim. Keeps me irresponsible. And sometimes letting go of my parents' mistakes, my parents' hurts, bring me back in control, in responsibility. And that can be scary. So I need to work on that by bringing the truth into this area of wanting to stay irresponsible. And I think, for the sake of time, it'd be lovely to have a chat about responsibility and what it entails. Because responsibility is one of the words that can carry lots of different meanings depending on the recipient. Some people, when you say to them, be responsible, they think, oh, responsible, I can't. I'm a victim. I, I, I I was the product of my past. I can't touch any responsibility. But God says, no, if you really want to move on, I would like you to take responsibility, but I'm with you. And I need you to redefine responsibility because responsibility is so scary that people cling on to unforgiveness because they fear responsibility and taking control. What if I make a mess? What if I make it all a mess again? No, no, no. Let me cling to the unforgiveness. So we need to work with God on that. And I'm I'm going to stop here and just remind you of Uh, a beautiful um, prayer that uh, the priest prays in the liturgy even so our Lord be with us take part with us in this bless us for you are the forgiveness of our sins the light of our souls our life and our strength and our confidence master Lord Almighty the healer of our souls our bodies and our spirits glory be to God Amen any any comments or uh, for for Abuna it's very long I know I know it's it is a big topic, I know. And I'm sure some people are listening thinking, yeah, but my hurts are s- different. Yeah. Thank you so much. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. And uh, yeah.
Yeah, well, big, big hand of applause for that. Mm. And um, next week is, uh, is Forgiving God, and the week after that, we've asked Dr. Michael to come back again for Forgiving Yourself. <laughs> so lots to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. Um, and you can catch any of the talks that you missed on YouTube. This will be up in a, in a, in a give it two, three days, and it'll, it'll be up on YouTube in the playlist called Letting Go. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we're so grateful to you that you are our healer, Lord, that you are able to take all of the things in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the hurts that we sustain, Lord, in our most vulnerable times as helpless children, Lord. You can take all of that, Lord, and you can make something very beautiful out of it. We're so grateful to you, Lord, that you are a God of transformation, that you don't reject these dark areas in our life, Lord, but you embrace them. And you take our hand and you put it with yours to change them and to make it pure and beautiful and holy and better than it could have ever been before. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us, Dr. Michael, to come and share these things and stir the pot a little bit for us. I beg you, Lord, help us to give you license to allow you to speak to us a different truth than the one that we have assumed and the myths that I have accepted about my life and my past. I beg you, Lord, to receive me as I am, to put your hand with mine, and to begin my healing today. I beg you, Lord, to give us courage to look into our lives and to look into your face, Lord, and to hear you giving us a new identity, a new name. No longer that we could be called hurt and broken and damaged, but that we would hear you giving us a new name, my beloved, healed, renewed, restored. In the name of Jesus, through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, the prayers of my dearly beloved brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers here, gather here, Lord, as we pray to our Father who art in heaven. Let be thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those trespasses against us. And lead us not to temptation. Deliver us from evil and cause our love for them. And now the love of God, the Father, and the grace of His only begotten Son, and the gift and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace and make peace of the Lord be with you all. And with you.